title this message, Inventory of the Heart. Because that's what God's doing. He's taking inventory of your heart today. He wants to know how is it this morning. Because if you've been serving God very, very long, you're going to find out that it's a heart condition that God looks at. Not an outward condition. But it's a condition of your heart that God looks. It's a spirit that's within you. It's what's taking place inwardly is what God sees. I mean, you're here this morning physically, <laughs> but that's not good enough. God has taken inventory of the children of God and their heart and their condition. Because if your condition of your heart is not right, you're going to die physically and spiritually. So God's taken inventory today. For the last few weeks, if you remember, I was preached on purging. God is purging his church, cutting off the sin in your life so new branches can spring forth and bring forth fruit. There's a purging going on in the body of Christ. Then the next week, I preached about complacency. You remember? We need to guard against complacency because it's so easy to get caught up in doing nothing. Being complacent. Thinking you're all right. And then last week I preached about has the devil stole your fruit? Because the Lord wants us to manifest fruit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and all those things. But somewhere along the line, the devil stole our fruit. And so all these messages have been pertaining to the church. Trying to get the condition of their hearts right. And it's only for one reason. So you'll be ready when Jesus comes. And believe me, he's coming. As I study my teachings that I receive through world evangelism, there's teaching about the church's conditions. And how we've forsaken our first love. We've heard messages on first love. In second chapter of Revelations. Talks about the church of Ephesus. He was examining their hearts. He's seen how they still loved him. They wasn't gone away out into the world or anything. But he said yet. I have something against you because you left your first love. 
This morning I want to share some things. Some teachings that are going about all around the world. These teachings are going forth in China and in India, all across the United States. These teachings go into all the prisons in the country, to the body of Christ. It also confirms what I've been preaching for the last several weeks. It's truly time to take inventory of the heart. Reading from the teaching this morning, Jesus describes himself to the F church at Ephesus as one who holds the seven stars, messengers, in his right hand. Each church messenger was both protected and held accountable for faithfully conveying God's message of grace and coming judgment. And over the years I've been telling people, it's, you know, it's, it would be easy. And a lot of times you would love just to preach the blessings unto the people. Talk about the love and the giving and all the things that God can do for you. That's a good thing. It's a good message. But I'd be hold, held accountable for not telling you more. For not preaching about sin. For allowing you to just go on like everything's all right. I want you to know, woe unto them pastors that do such things. As a messenger, you have to be accountable for conveying God's message. As the Lord examines this church, he is ultimately aware of their thoughts and attitudes. That's what he declares in Acts 2. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how you can't bear them which are evil and has tried them which say they are apostles and are not and has found them to be liars and are born and has patience and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. Huh? He knows you're still here laboring and have not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against you because you left your first love. And he says, remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent. You know, I wished it was eternal security sometimes. Huh? Once saved, always saved like a lot of churches believe. It would be so easy. You don't have to live the life for nothing. After you're saved, you go about doing whatever you want. But it's not so. Because God is examining the heart today. He said, remember from whence thou art fallen. See, they fell inwardly. They went away from God inwardly. And that's what he's talking about today. Duty without love. Despite all the strengths, the Lord discerns a deadly condition in their hearts. They had left their first love, though they still loved him. The fervency and intensity of their first or bridal love 
was wanting. They were caught up in a routine of doing works. Huh? You hear me preach about that over the years. It's Sunday, I got to go to church. Huh? And you dress yourself and, and you go in and you do this. Now I got to do this. Now, Kendall wants me to sing. <laughs> you know why you don't? Because you don't want to. You understand what I'm saying? Duty without love. You're going because you got to. I mean, that's, that's a sad condition. I mean, there's some powerful things in here this morning you're going to have to listen to. They were caught up in a routine of doing works. Good works for work's sake. Not because of their undying love for Christ. Day after the day, they went through the right routines. Said the right words. You ever see anybody like that? Praise the Lord when they don't really mean it. They say it because they, they got to say that. Huh? It ain't really a praise the Lord from your heart. It's just about like using God's name in vain. In vain. Just words. Instead of a, a real praise the Lord of uh, glad to meet you attitude is a praise the Lord. You can't even get a squeeze out of some of these people. Huh? I hate that. They come in. Come on, shake your hand. Are you alive or what's going on here? You, did, it was, you know what I'm saying? Routine. The right routines. The right words. They appear warm outwardly. Though inwardly, they were growing cold day by day. That's duty without love. Now God take an inventory of the heart. And asking you this morning, have you left your first love? It's possible that you have reached a point in your relationship with the Lord where you have left your first love. And then Brother Cirillo gives six, six things that happen. Now I want you this morning really to examine because we're coming into an area and a time, not just camp meeting, but end time when we're to be a light unto the world. When you want prayed all these years and you want your family to get saved and you want your relatives to get saved and you want them to really see the difference and you want the gifts of the Holy Ghost and you want the baptism of the Holy Ghost and you want all these things, we're coming into a time when you have to take inventory of your heart because God will not use you or me unless our heart is right. First thing will happen to you if you're losing your first love. Christ will no longer be the central focus of your life and your number one desire. 
I always preach that when you first get saved. I mean, you're the first one at church. I don't have to look around and ask somebody who's going who's to help me at the church or camp meeting or anything. Huh? They're there. You can't wait for the church door to be opened. When your desire for the Lord begins to weaken and other desires take preeminence above Him. Other desires. It is an indication that you have left your first love. When the passionate fire of your love for the Lord is burning, He will be the central focus of your desires and actions. I always say, when so, if somebody gets genuine saved, you'll see it. You'll, you can't have an inward experience without having an outward manifestation. How many times have you heard that? If you have a burning love for Christ, He will be the central focus of your desire and your actions. There will be a deep hunger and thirst within your spirit to know Him more. That's what, what I look at, young Christians. They say they're born again. I'm waiting for them. How come they don't ever ask questions? I mean, when I got saved, I grabbed my Bible. I was at my pastor's house seven, eight hours at a time, studying until the wee hours of the morning. I wanted to know more about the Savior who touched my life, who lifted me from the miry clay. I want to know all about Jesus. I still do. When somebody never opens their Bible and they've been saved for five years and they can't quote John 3.16, something's wrong. They don't have no desire. I question their salvation. Secondly, you will neglect your relationship with the Lord and will spend less and less time in prayer, waiting before Him in His presence and studying His Word. See, that's what we're talking about. I said I'll witch to this about seven times already. Because as a pastor, if you get caught up worrying about everybody else's thing and doing everybody else's thing, and pretty soon you neglect your own thing. So this word is for everybody. There will be a loss of intimacy in your relationship. Remember I said you can talk to him in the wee hours of the morning and he hears you. And you will find it difficult to hear him when he speaks to you. You become dull of hearing anymore. Before you were so sensitive, the Lord could just turn you and guide you. But now you can get hit over the head with the word of God and it has no effect. Or you think he's talking to the one next to you. There are, so, there are many who have become so busy in doing for the Lord that they neglect being for the Lord. That's me sometimes. So busy doing something else, I forget about the Lord's in personal relationship. Spending time alone with Him, seeking Him. Remember I tell you all the time that it's 3 o'clock in the morning or 4 o'clock in the morning when I talk to the Lord. Only time he can talk to me. 
and he speaks to you. Some of you are so deep in, in snoring you can't be awoken. And sleeping spiritually that angels can't wake you up. Thirdly, you will allow things. Now this is gonna this is the one here that's going on. I see in this church. You will allow things. Family, friends, your job, and your own selfish desires to come between you and your relationship with the Lord. Somehow, the devil through deceiving and deception places in our minds that as long as it's our family and our kids and we have to do that and the Lord will excuse us. Huh? Well, where were you? Well, I had to take my kid over here. I had to do this over here. God never gave you kids or families so that they would separate your relationship and do the things of God. He never gave you kids for that reason. So don't let the devil use that. Excuse. Raised four kids already. I know what I'm talking about. Me and Sister Sandy. Never neglected God's work either. Faithful to the, to the max. And I think they're turning out all right. They're going to be all gone this fall. Another month from now, I have to go back to raising Sandy. <laughs> She caught me when I was about 17. So we got to get back on that deal anyway. Was Matt ever show up? Very proud of my son going into the Navy this week. Very proud. I wanted to tell him that. And I advise any kids listening today. Get involved in clubs, sports, whatever, to occupy your mind. Because the people that are getting in trouble are the ones driving up and down the four lanes with nothing to do. I was one of them once <laughs> with nothing to do. Thirdly, that's what I already said, thirdly. Family, friends, jobs, and your selfish desire to, be, to come between you and your relationship with the Lord. Allowing those things to come between you and the Lord. A sure sign that a Christian has left his first love is that he continually places his own career, his family, his friends, his plans above the work of the Lord. I couldn't come because of this. I couldn't come because of that. I couldn't go there because of this. I'm telling you. 
Whatever happened to Jesus is number one in my life. I gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ. We left our first love. A fervent first love Christ expects us to have for him is to love him more than anything, more than anyone else, including our own lives. You know that the Bible declares that you to bear your cross, to lay down your life, because he laid his life down for you. But yet, a lot of us aren't willing to even give the littlest things of our life away, to die out to those things. It's me and mine, and that's, it, it's, that's the world. I'm telling you. Your concern should be, get behind his vision here, that God gave us. And drew us to. And lifted us out of the miry clay. Your desire should be to fulfill this vision in this area. This is our job. Our job. So that somebody else can get saved and healed and set free. Fourthly, you will be caught up in doing work for work's sake. Like we mentioned. There are many Christians within our churches today who are involved in doing good works, but it has become a drudgery or drag or like duty to them. It's my duty. Well, why do you do it? I got to. Instead of their works being motivated by first love, huh? Instead of their works being motivated by first love, they are striving to do good works in their own strength. And it has become only a form or ritual. There's a lot of you just going through a ritual here this morning. I'm telling you that right now. Well, it's Sunday and I got to be here. And when you walk out that door, you'll be the same old ugly person you was. Because you never came here with any intentions of ever changing or receiving or praising God or any of these things. You're doing it for work's sake. Five. You will develop a lax attitude towards sin. One of the major signs that a person has left his first love is his indifference and lax attitude concerning sin. He will no longer be concerned about walking in obedience to the Lord and lining up his life with the Word of God. When you have a fervent first love for Christ, you will turn away from sin. That's the Again, the evidence that somebody's been saved is you don't have to argue with them about the Word of God. You don't have to coax them in the Word of God. They get fall in love with Jesus Christ, and if it says it, they do it. And they do it with a fervent love, and they do it with the excitement and joy to serve God. They're just doing it. After a while, when the sin creeps back in, first time it happens, 
You repent and you cry. I've seen people backslide over the last 20 years. I've seen them. First time they cry and they're coming to the house, they're crying. I backslid. After a while, they do it. And it gets easier and easier for them to do it. It don't bother them anymore after a while just to go do it. I know the Lord will forgive me. They just watch out. You develop a lax attitude towards sin. Your conviction is wearing off. Be careful. Act any way you want. Do anything you want to do. And you have no, watch out, no conviction. Christians walk by what? Conviction. Me and Irvin was studying about that the other day. If you're convicted about something, God's dealing with you. If you do something wrong and you're walking in the Spirit, you get convicted. Praise God. But if it don't bother you no more, you're in trouble. You left your first love. You're so far off to the right, you can't even be moved by God. You're backslidden. You don't know it. He will no longer be concerned about walking in obedience to the Lord. See, obedience is a word they don't use when they start backsliding. And lining up their life with the word, the word has no meaning in their life. It's on a shelf now. They're convinced that they're all right when they're not. Well, I'm okay. You ever hear that? How you doing? I'm all right. Snotty little attitude. I'm okay. When you know they're not, and they know they're not, God knows they're not, and the devil knows they're not. But they're all right. I wouldn't be asking you that if I thought you was all right. I would say, praise God to you. But I want to know, how, how are you for a reason? God's concerned today. When you have a fervent first love for Christ, you will turn away from sin and will refrain from doing anything that might be displeasing to him. Awich, awich, awich. You see, this word cuts both ways. There are many Christians today who, who are quick to say they love the Lord, but their love is not manifested through their actions. The true test of love is obedience. True test of love is obedience. And if you're obedient, it'll cause you to act upon what's in you without being coaxed or begged. You want to do always those things, like Jesus said, that please the Please the Father. I do always those things that please the Father. That's the way Jesus walked, and he was our example. And so when you get genuine saved, and the love and fervent first love is in your heart, then you'll walk in obedience too. You won't have to be told, this is wrong, that's right, that's right, this is wrong. Smoke, don't smoke, drink, drink. Should I drink? I wonder if we... The Lord drank. Huh? The Lord drank wine. 
You don't argue about that stuff. The Lord didn't drink wine. He wasn't a drunk because he'd have to throw himself in hell if he was a drunk. Your church drinks wine? Help yourself. Find a church that drinks wine. You can do that. But if you want to go by the obedience that lies within the scriptures that God wrote in his book called the Bible, then if you have Jesus Christ in your life, you'll walk in his obedience. No matter what this church preaches, that church preaches, Blue Sky Ministry preaches, it ain't what we preach, it's what the word says. And if what I'm preaching this morning lines up with his word, swallow it. Sixth thing. All right, he finally made sixth thing. Another outward sign that you left your first love. You will not have a burning passion for the lost. How many... Every service almost, I ask people, you got a testimony. Maybe once a year I hear somebody, how they led so-and-so to the Lord and how they pray. You know, Brenda goes to the, leads children. But that should be everybody's desire in this place to win somebody to Jesus. That is the ultimate goal of Jesus Christ. To preach the gospel into all the world to win somebody to Jesus Christ. You should have a passion for the lost. Oh, that church down there, they do they do this, you know. They kind of look at us like this the scum of the scum of the churches. <laughs> Yeah, I even married a pregnant woman. They condemn me for it. I'll take winos and tell them who they are, Christ Jesus, if they turn their lives. I said, give me all the bad people, all the no good, rotten, down, low life scum of the world. Bring them here. That's the ones Jesus Christ died for on the cross. Not the self-righteous. I said, bring them down here. I said, God can use them. Glorify himself more in some old sinner than some self-righteous, know-it-all, religious, stiff-necked, lost, dying sinner sitting in some church. Give me that wine over here. I can touch him with God's anointing. God will lift him up and show the whole world, look what the Lord has done for me. That's what Jesus Christ done. Give him to me. That's why they call us that church. Cleansed. They got it all backwards. They don't even know why Jesus came into this world. Came for people like us. But if you have lost your burning passion for the lost, then you lost your first love. You lost the Spirit of God in you because the Spirit of the living God in you will cause you to have compassion, especially for the lost. You'll feel that what they feel. We've got a whole room of people in here. 
Somebody's hurting in jail. I can send them somebody there that's been there. If somebody's going through sicknesses, there's been people in this church have been healed of cancers and all kinds of different tumors and sores and sicknesses and burnt out livers and every kind of other thing. I can send them somebody to testify about the goodness of Jesus. But when we all lose our first love, then we, we've lost everything. We're not effective like we should be. And that's why we're guarding against that. And that's why God is preaching to the church today and is having an inventory of the heart. When a Christian has left his first love, not only will there be an, an indifference towards prayer, And the word and the things of God, there will be a lack of real concern and compassion for those who are bound by sin and do not know the Lord. Pass by them every day. Oh, I told them already. No, telling them ain't, ain't, ain't your ultimate goal. Winning them to Jesus is. So if you've got to tell them again, tell them again. That's our attitude. Oh, we already witnessed to our families. Are they saved though? You should be concerned about them until they get saved and beyond. It, is, it was a strong, fervent love for Christ within the disciples in the early church that motivated and compelled them to share the gospel everywhere they went. That's why they won the whole known world. Now I give you this promise. To the one who listens and overcomes, Jesus promises that they will eat of the tree of life in God's everlasting paradise. Those who overcome will inherit eternal life in a new Jerusalem. Where they shall live forever and serve the Lord around his throne. That's what God has for them that keep their first love, that guard their heart, that takes inventory and look at themselves. Say, I used to be this, but now I'm over here. What's wrong with me, Lord? And, they, and they're concerned enough to get back where they used to be. See, you backslide and you come back to the Lord. It ain't automatic. You're not going to get everything you experienced before back just because you came to an altar and said, oh, forgive me, Lord. you got to take action, inventory of your heart, and you got to see this caused me to do this and that caused me to do that, and I'm going to fight back, and I'm going to take back what the devil stole from me, and I'm going to get my first love back with Jesus Christ. I'm going to fall back in love with him, and if it takes dying out to this and dying out to that, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get back in love with Jesus. Because whether we want to admit it or not, Suddenly, over the years, the devil has stolen our first love. The evidence is here. You're not like you used to be. You can be, 
but you're not. That's what Jesus is saying in here. I know thy works. <laughs> he sees you here this morning, your labors. He knows the intent of your heart, the concern. He knows when you say words. He sees all that. God's not concerned with all the outward appearances. He's concerned with what's going on within you. And brother, if you have it in, in you, people will know it. They'll feel your spirit. Did you know that? If you're rotten, no stinking good, they'll feel that too. They don't even want to be around you. That's the truth of the matter. You can feel people when they're not really having it. Because their spirits bear witness with one another. If you don't really have it, you try to fake it in, a, in, in the early church. They knew. <laughs> We've got a half-brother here. Huh? There's a lot of half-brothers and sisters sitting in church today. All around the world. Trying to fake it. Living in sin. Doing this and doing that. And thinking this is all right and that's all right. And the trumpet of God's going to blow for it. Amen! And they think they're ready, but they're not. They're not concerned about making heaven their home. They would have a fear of God so great that it will cause them to get themselves ready. You want to go to hell or you want to go to heaven? Jeez. Does anybody want to go into eternal damnation, lost, separated from God, burning in a lake of fire forever and ever where you never quit burning? Do you want to go there? That's real. The devil's trying to steal what Jesus Christ gave to you at the beginning, at that altar, when you first fell in love with Jesus. That fire, that love, that obedience, that giving, that loving spirit that you had. The devil wants you to steal that from you. And he wants you to be that old, rotten, no good person you was when you was in the miry clay. So that when the trumpet of God blows, you'll be left. That's his ultimate goal for you. Thanks be to God that he has people in the world today, preachers, sending out teachings and warning us to get ready. The final end time preparation of the bride of Christ. This is given by a prophet of God. And the office of a prophet is to foretell what God is doing ahead of time so that the church the body of Christ, including the pastors, can get ready for it. Oh, I thank God for a God that gives us warning ahead of time. Now don't spring nothing on us. Woo! We got time right now. We don't have much of it. We're in the final pages of history. Even the world knows something's going on. They don't know quite what. They know something's going on. But you and I, brother, are not in darkness concerning those things because God told us about them. The only thing you have to do is get yourself ready. Get your first love back. Well, how do I do that? How did you get saved the first time? 
Some of you fell on your face. Some of you was in jail. Some of you, some of you were at this altar. Whatever way God drew you to himself, wherever it was that you cried out, whatever you'd done to get that first experience, it had to become, it come from a pure heart. Repentance has to come from your heart and you have to mean it or you'll never experience nothing. You'll never be restored. You'll never be what you used to be. You'll never get your first love back. But Jesus says, do thy first works and you can have your first love back. So it has to be true repentance again, coming to the Lord with a pure heart. Inventory of the heart is what's going on today. And I thank God for it. Shakes me and rattles me and stirs me and convicts me and makes me cry. To think that I could not be ready when Jesus comes. Caught in my complacency, caught in what I'm doing. Thinking I'm doing it all right because I'm preaching. Think I'm doing all right because I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this and stuff. But all the time the Lord is saying, come sit down here so I can talk to you and have fellowship with you in the wee hours of the morning again where I can direct your works where I can lead you by my spirit where, where I can make sure and you can make sure that you're right where I want you to be and doing exactly what I want you to do because anybody can do something but not all that say Lord's Lord is going to enter in but he that doeth the will of my father I mentioned last week we have a responsibility to carry this gospel. We have a responsibility to live the life. Somebody's watching you. Somebody's watching you. Everything you do around here. Go act like the devil. Somebody's watching you. And if you live for the Lord, somebody's watching you. We hold the answer that God gave to the entire world right here. We hold it. And the devil would like to stamp that out of your life. Claim you back to what you used to be. My God, it's going to be worse. It would be better that you'd never known the way after you've tasted the good things of God and his glory and all that to turn away from that it'd be it would be worse thing that anybody can do he said the Lord will not come for a lukewarm church either somebody half-baked half-cooked halfway in the church halfway in the bingo hall halfway in the powwow halfway into God traditionalism and Christianity don't mix ponder it in your mind argue with every preacher you see but it don't mix you gotta rise up to meet God's standards through Christ Jesus and bear your cross, not your pipe.
somebody's afraid to preach that these days. I'm not. It's truth. They're not going to hold me accountable in that day for not telling somebody the truth. This morning there's a whole room full of people, I'm telling you. You need to get your first love back in order. Oh, I don't drink, I don't smoke. Don't give me that story. It's more than that. Christianity is more than getting delivered from cigarettes and alcohol. Huh? Your testimony should be more than that. Them are just byproducts of God cleaning you up. But He wants your heart. He wants your soul. So He can dwell in that vessel. And when you talk to somebody about the Lord Jesus Christ, the anointing of God will flow out and they'll know it's real. When you sing about him, it'll be more than words. It'll be more than just a noise going through the air. But God anoints his music and his word and your testimonies and your witness. It has to be anointed, otherwise it's just words. I don't know about you, but I want more than words. I want more than words. I want more than just duty. Have to do it. I want what I got when I first got saved. Way back when, when it was just a hole in the ground right here. I want that back. And if you want back what Jesus Christ really done for you, maybe you never did get saved, I don't know. But it's not too late to have your first love today. Some of you are going through the motions because your wife is here. You're going to go, go here. Your husband goes, so you're going to go here. i got to listen to my husband. You got to or do you want to? You got to or do you want to? I couldn't wait to get up and go to church this morning. Boy, I'm glad it's Sunday. I said, this is my day. If only a day is mine, it's this. It's Sundays. That's what, oh, I used to look forward to Friday and Saturday nights when I was in the world. They don't mean nothing to me. I mean, that's just another day, but Sunday is the day set aside by God. He said, this is the day. He said, set it aside. Father, I give you praise this morning. I thank you for your prophet. Wherever Brother Swillow is this morning around the world, Lord God, wherever you have him, in, if he's in Israel today or in Africa, I pray your blessings upon him. That every financial need will be met, met for him, Lord God, around the world. I pray for this congregation, God that you raised out of the miry clay one day that we would get our first love back Lord God honesty and obedience a fervent love through repentance 
striving for those things, Lord God, fighting, taking it back by violence. Everything the devil has stolen. And Father, I pray for this week's camp meeting that all things would work together. God, the devil hates everything we do in this area. He hates our very existence. He hates us. But I know that if you be with us, who can be against us? And I know that this is your plan for us in these last days. That you begin this work, oh God. And you'll finish it. I pray that they would feel your anointing wherever they come from this week, Lord God. That would be in unity. Working and striving in the love of God in their hearts. Jesus. there's somebody here this morning just the way I'm going to do it you want to get born again this morning you want to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ this is the most this is more important than healings more important than anything in the world is, is the healing of the soul you want to get born again and given that new chance I was talking about that second chance to get right and use your life this time for God you come right here this morning don't be ashamed giving your heart and life to Jesus is not a secret it's openly and publicly not ashamed of God I want to get right publicly before all the world I want to give my heart and life to Jesus Christ if you're ready to do that you come up here this morning wait for you for a few seconds don't sit there and think you're all right when you're not you've never been born again before never surrendered I'm talking about Bonnie yeah all right I see what you're doing. Go ahead, just stand there for a minute. Come on, some of you people have been backslidden for so long you don't even know it. Jesus is coming. We're not playing games here this morning. Do I desire one thing you should desire? Fervent love. Fall back in love with Jesus. days of your life All the that's what Jesus has for you you want to get your life All right this is the day to do it my life, Lord. 
into my heart and life as my Lord and Savior and from this day forward I will follow him until he comes wash me in your precious blood and write my name in the Lamb's book of life in Jesus' mighty name you really meant that this morning it's a simple act but it has a life changing effect if you mean it from your heart softly now our sister has a special need here this morning how many know our God is able headache Answer, move a mountain, take dirt and breathe life into it, that's God. He can do it. Feel his anointing here this morning. Our sister's suffering. Doctors give bad reports. Jesus gives good ones. I rebuke and bind every cancer spirit. It's not the work of any man this morning. I feel the anointing of God upon her life. God is concerned about you. He is concerned more of your heart. Surrender everything unto Jesus Christ. I pray, God, that you would touch my sister today from the top of her head 
all through her being to the bottom of her feet, oh God. And I command this flesh to line up to God's holy word this morning. He said, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, oh God. And I know they shall, oh God. Praise you for your anointing. By your stripes I claim healing in her body today. Let the washing of the blood, oh God, cleanse her from all uncleanness, oh God. She make her ever withhold this very day, oh God. So that she'll be in your hands, whatever she faces, oh God. I praise you, glorify you today. Jesus is precious. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Softly, softly. I got a word here this morning. My brother Bob right there. God just wants you to know, brother, not to be bitter towards him. You're saying right now, why? My wife got to have this. Your God, how come this is happening and that's happening? Don't question God, Bob. You surrender your life and your heart unto God too. Because serving God is more than getting a healing. It's eternal life that we're talking about. You gotta love him enough to give up those things that offend him in your lives. healing their benefits healing and supplying your needs are just benefits he bless you then you'll never give up brother Joe he'll only tempt you for what you're worth God's going to use your life to witness people are watching I got something special here today. I don't want nobody to leave this church. I got some special thing to do to ask of you this morning after I'm done praying here. You people have given your hearts to Jesus Christ. Go ahead and go sit down. You ones that are still sitting there, I want to give you a chance. That's what God would do. You that have been walking with the Lord for a while, I'm talking to you. You need to rededicate your lives this morning. Rededicate. means to get back to do what you're supposed to be doing. All across this altar here, talking to everybody in here. There ain't none of us doing enough for the Lord today. None of us. Get that rededication back in your heart. I dedicate my life back to you, Lord, again. Use me again, oh God. This is how the church functions. Where's our offering? Give me something. Give me a different one. Here's something right here. No. Give me something empty. 
Everybody in this church, I'm talking to us this morning. We're going to take up an offering this morning for a brother. You want to know his name? Can I tell I'll tell you his name. But in no secret, our brother Carlos. He's got all these little kids. How many could raise four kids by yourself? As a man, I, I don't think I could do it. He has a need today. And it ain't good enough for to, us to say, I hope the Lord blesses you and takes care of you. Lord be with you, Carlos. We hope you get everything worked out. It ain't good enough. Found a place to live, needs rent. His past is catching up with him. He's got MDU and all these kind of things that face us every day. Amen. We're going to help him today. I want you to give your best, not some stinking old dried up quarter you to put in pop machine. I want you to dig down and make a sacrificial offering for him today. So he can enjoy the camp meeting. So he's not crying and hurting in at night. Wondering where his kids are going to go. Where's your compassion? Just to show you, Pastor Kenny's not that way. And I don't never tell nobody what I'm doing today, but I'm telling you, 